Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Amen. All right. Are you all ready for the Bible today? Good. I want to welcome everybody who is online today, whether you're watching live or later on this morning or this week in podcast. I got to say, we really appreciate y'all, and uh, we're thinking about you often, and we want you to know that you are an important part of just who we are, and um, we just want you to know we see you even when we don't see you physically, and greatly appreciate you and are thinking of you, and we're here for you, and you know, if you need something, uh, don't hesitate to ask your church uh, for, for whatever's going on in your life or just touch base, and you know, you can do that. Uh, friends at victorychristian.church, our phone number, uh, 804-556-5700. All that's on the website as well, but we just want you to know that we see you, you're important to us, and we are glad that you are here with us. Amen? Amen. All right, we're ready for the Bible. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born. I just like the melody of this verse. It's just, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love this scripture written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. You know, Jesus' birth was absolutely a plan. It was a plan. It was prophesied. God was very intentional with the plan of Jesus. And I love this scripture that describes, for unto us a child is born. How blessed are we that the Father would send his one and only son. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We are so humbled by the gift of your son this Christmas. We're so thankful for, the chi- for your, your son, your child. Unto us a child is born. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Over these next couple weeks leading up to Christmas, we just uh, make you the center and the focus Lord, and we just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are so, just say thank you, God, for your son. Lord, we worship you today, and we open up our hearts to hear from your word. Lord, teach us, teach us through the story of the birth of Jesus, teach us through the life of Jesus. We love you, and we just open up our hearts to hear a word just from you. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. Father, uh, we trust you to speak to us and touch us by your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to um, go to Luke chapter 2. I'm kind of pre-gaming it, i got to admit it. I'm just like going right to Luke chapter 2. I normally like to save Luke chapter 2, and I love to have it as part of the Christmas service, and you will hear Luke chapter 2 again next week. I just got to tell you. But I just love Luke chapter 2. Uh, I know in our family, we have a tradition that, you know, before we open the presents for one another, we open up the present of the word in Luke chapter 2, which is the birth of Christ. And um, I'm going to read just a, 
a few verses of it this morning, but Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and you have all the permission as I stand in the garden of poinsettias here to just feel all Christmassy as I'm reading this. Just go for it. You just bask in the birth of Jesus. Amen? All right. Yep. Give me one moment for you who are online. All right, let's be a little bit more excited than that. Amen? Let's just get all Christmassy. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. See, you're not the only one who struggles with that name. Um, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He was there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. They were there, and at the same time, it came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. I just, I love, I love the way it says, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. What, what a picture of this very young couple coming with their very firstborn. What a picture of just so, so frail, so vulnerable. Do many of you remember when you held your very firstborn? Like, you're, you know, like when you were getting used to like holding a baby and you were just like, oh Lord, help me not break them. Um, most recently, the, the most recent newborn that I held was um, Judah Craig, and um, just like this tiny little football who has not remained tiny at all because of his gene pool, um, but he still, bless the Lord, he, he came out tiny, and uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord, <laughs> um, but just so, just so cute. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know, the wonder of that those first couple of weeks of holding a baby when they are so small. There's just nothing like it. You just, you feel like you're entrusted with so much responsibility and so much frailty. And there's, there's no conscientiousness like the conscientious of parents who've had their firstborn, right? I mean, you could be the, 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 the wildest you could be the most reckless people on earth, but the, the moment you have your firstborn, that all goes out the window when you hold that first, and you're just like, oh my word, help me not break them. Um, you know, the Father in heaven, he chose to insert his son into such frail circumstances. The Father entrusted his plans into a newborn, and place that newborn into the hands of this very young couple. <laughs> we think today, you know, if you have a baby in your 20s, like, oh, they're young. They're young. Y'all, people had babies earlier than that. People do have babies earlier than that. I wonder, I wonder what plans God has placed in our hands through our children. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had entrusted in them 
the Son of God, and they knew that they had an assignment. They knew that this was a miraculous birth. But you know, even with our own children, I wonder who's being raised in our houses and the plans that God has for our children, what they will, what He wants them to do and what He wants them to accomplish. And I don't mean to be so performance-oriented about it, but you know, God has plans and purposes that He wants to execute through me and you and through our children, and He entrusts us with these gifts to raise them. Isn't that an awesome trust that He gives us? And you know what's great is as a mom and a dad, if you're in the season of parenting right now, the wisdom that you need to raise your child, God has it. He will not withhold it. That, that promise in James chapter 1, that if you lack wisdom, ask and he will give it. One of the reasons that that promise is, is just so stable and secure, I, I believe that anyone can ask for I don't believe you have to even be serving Jesus to ask God for his wisdom because God wants his wisdom in this earth. He is so motivated to express his wisdom and to see it bless others. I think anyone on the planet could cry out to God and say, give me wisdom, and he'll give it to you. I think it's a promise. I think he wants us to have it. He is so motivated for you to have. That's why you don't have to doubt when you ask for wisdom. And with your children, God will give you the wisdom that you need. You cry out to him and he will give it to you. You know, in Jesus' case, um, I look at the story of this young couple holding a newborn, not even having a place in an inn. I just think I would do it differently. I don't know if you've ever done this in Scripture. But you ever look at it and go, God, I would have handled that differently. And I realize that's very presumptuous. And and I don't mean it from the standpoint of like pride. Like, I think you're doing it wrong. I really believe God's really good at his job. He's been doing it for a long time. I feel like he's highly qualified um, and and that he, he, he is and will remain on the throne. But when I look at the story, I think I would do it differently. You know, I, I, I probably would have put the, um, the Christ child in the hands of an older couple rather than teenagers. Just me. Like, choose an Abraham and a Sarah, right? They've been around a while, right? Like, I mean, obviously there are, there are good reasons why, you know, virgin birth and all of that, that, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense. But I just would, older, older parents, I would have, I would have uh, had Jesus born in a fortress, not traveling to another city. Oh, there's no room. I mean, one room. I mean, God can provide a room. But there's something about that frailty, and there's something about, like, everything that's going on, those circumstances, you know, there's so, such vulnerable circumstances that they are in, um, so too much could have gone wrong in my mind. But, you know, I think there's, there's so many lessons in it about God, his greatness, and his power. But I think there's lessons for you and I because you and I live through a lot of times where we feel our own weakness. We feel our own frailty, where we feel and sense our own vulnerability. Um, and it's just far too prevalent how we feel the, the weakness of a circumstance. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where, you know, I, I feel such great confidence, like I could run through a wall and like, God can do this. There are other times when I feel my own weakness so great, I'm like, God, <laughs> what are you doing? Because I don't feel like that much for this moment. But, you know, I, I think God knows, I know he knows 
when we feel that frailty and when we feel that weakness, or maybe we feel even defeat. But you know what? The Lord's not intimidated. And the Lord knows how to take care of you and to see his purposes prevail in your life. You know, the fact is we would all prefer to operate out of our own strength and out of a place of strength all the time. Amen? I mean, it's far more preferable. But in reality, there are times when we operate in moments and even seasons of weakness where we just realize, gosh, I, I am, I've got some frailty here. I'm weak. Uh, but, you know, there's something really powerful that can happen. His strength can be revealed through us in those moments and in those times. And I think a lot of times we interpret our weakness in a very self-focused way. Oh, I don't, I don't even know why he saved me. I don't even know why he loves me. I don't know why. Like, there's, there can be such negative, wrong ways of looking at your weakness. And I want to tell you today, God knows your weakness. And he loved you before you ever got to the planet. Saw you before you ever got to the planet. He knows you're weak. What, what might in moments feel like just such a, uh, almost like a throbbing, like you, you just so apparent to you, it's a revelation to you, but it's not a revelation to him. He knows it, and he sees it, and he's not intimidated by it. And what I want to give you today is I want to give you something in Scripture where in your weakness, you can actually experience more of God and more of his strength. And I want to show that to you in Scripture today. In, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, the Apostle Paul, you all know Paul, Paul went through a lot. He went through a lot. If you think you've been through something, read the, Paul, the story of Paul's life. I mean, the dude was beaten and, and jailed and beaten again. I mean, he just went through so much for the sake of the gospel. It, pro- it was prophesied when he was saved that he would suffer much for the gospel. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, because, you know, Paul was pretty gifted. He was, he was pretty impressive. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about that. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in my weakness in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, so let me first deal with the the thorn in in Paul's flesh. I don't know what it is. There you go. Lots of great theories out there. I mean, tons of theories. And I'm sure people today are going to tell me their theory, and it's great. Love it. I think sometimes Scripture is is intentionally for us doesn't give us all the insights. And it's great. We should study it. We should seek it out. We should want to know. I just want you to know my official position is, I don't know. Just telling you. 
Love to hear your theory. I don't know. Um, I believe that the people who are reading 2 Corinthians knew exactly what it was because they were getting a letter from an apostle who had visited their church that they knew really well. And so I believe they probably knew exactly what it was. I don't know what it was, but what's in Scripture, that is what we know and what we can receive from. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of revelation in this Scripture. And, and honestly, this Scripture is, is one of those Scriptures where you don't read it and go, aha. You kind of live it and then read it, go, aha, and then live it and then read it and go, aha. If that makes sense. It's more of an experienced scripture than a just like, you know, if you're, you just uh, came to Jesus last week and you, you're, you know, that kind of thing, and you read the scripture, you're like, okay, I understand, I understand. Over life, we begin to really kind of start to feel it and understand it. And it's a way of interpreting and understanding your own weakness that glorifies God and gives you strength. Because we live in this paradox of, you know, God anoints you and empowers you with his Holy Spirit, and he has given you natural gifts, and he's given you natural strength. You know, life is not all weakness. Amen? I'm, I'm bringing an emphasis this morning on weakness that I think can help us in our journey and in our walk so that it doesn't disillusion us and undermine us. Because what will happen is people who operate in strength will experience moments of weakness and it will take, it will take out uh, the underpinning of their life and they'll just be like, what is wrong with me? You're human. You're a human person. You ain't God. You got him in your life, but you ain't him. There's moments where we just feel his we feel our own weakness and we are so um, sensitive and aware of our own frailty. And I love these scriptures because what God says is he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's kind of like, you know, if you've got a, you know, a nice glass of water. There are these moments where we feel like the water is way down here. And what God is saying is in the scripture is that when you feel weak, my power is made perfect. It's like he overlays his power. It actually says that. It says, Christ's power may rest on me. So whenever I, you're weak, his power can come into those places and onto those places, and that while you're in the midst of, of weakness, his power and his strength rest on you. It's such a paradox. It's like, whoa. You mean I can experience more of his power in the midst of my weakness? Got it. That's exactly right. And then it goes, when I am weak, then, then I am strong. Why? Because of him. I want to give you just this little, this little key that if you, if you kind of grab a hold of this, it'll change the way that you walk through moments of weakness, okay? Many times when we feel weak, there's something in us that goes, I got to double down, I got to try harder, I got to push harder. I would suggest to you that maybe you need to lean back rather than lean in. Because see, what happens is you feel that moment of weakness and you feel like, well, I just got to try harder. But really what you've got to do is lean back and let his power rest on you. It's not necessarily intuitive for some of our personalities to lean back rather than to lean in. 
But there are moments where you just got to lean back because, and let his power rest on you. And, and, and I would dare say, even allow yourself to just receive his power on your life and in your life. And in the moments of your weakness, just know that he is sufficient. I was writing something um, recently for, um, and I was telling the story of when my mom passed away and how I went from about 100% of a person to about 60% of a person. And I, I, I just thank the Lord because I, somehow I, I knew in the midst of th- that season where it took me a year to go from 60% to about 80% of a person. And then after another year, I felt like I was about 95%. And a lot of you here were with me in my own life in that season. And one of the things I wrote about is how supportive the people around me were. And I didn't feel this pressure to perform or to lean in. I just recognized that I just was where I was in the moment. But instead of just, uh, just kind of sitting there, I, I just felt like the Lord gave me the wisdom, just lean back and let me rest on you. Let my strength come on you. I think you can experience God in ways in your weakness that you cannot experience God in your strength. There are ways you can experience God in your weakness that you cannot experience Him in your strength. And the reality is we all go through life with moments and seasons of weakness and in strength. And what God is showing us in the birth of Jesus and what God is showing us in the Scripture in 2 Corinthians is, hey, stop trying to just get out of the the season of weakness. Stop trying to just double down and push through the season of weakness, but lean back and let my grace and power rest on you. And I mean that like, like really, like his power resting on you, the power of God resting on your life. I'm not talking about an ideal or an idea. I mean his power being on your life. And I'll tell you what, when you sense that, when you lean back, when you let him rest on you, it gives you a confidence in the midst of your weakness where you can know, yeah, I'm weak, but he is, he's strong. And I'll tell you what, that will put in you a maturity and a confidence and a faith that is not easily shaken. Because when you hear of things that are terrible and you hear of things coming, you know, that are, fear doesn't rise up in you. You begin to just go to the Lord and go, God, show me. What is your perspective? How do you want me to stand? What are you seeing? And you see, Joseph and... Um, Mary's situation, you know, can you imagine? They're like, they probably did not see themselves being in Bethlehem, having this baby and not having a place to stay. I don't think they foresaw that. Can you imagine maybe how frustrating that could have been for Joseph? Like, I'm supposed to take care of this woman who's having God's child, and here I am traveling, and I don't have a place to stay, and we're having our first baby. I've never done this before. And then it gets worse. Because King Herod, the king in that area, gets word through the Magi who were on their way to to see Jesus and said, oh, that we heard the king of the Jews is being born. The king of the what? He was not happy about that. And he decided, you know what? We need to put an end to any kings being born, raised up, or anything because Herod's feeling is I am the king in this land. And it really underscores how frail the situation is and how much it goes from, you know, from bad, from you know, tenuous to bad, really quick. But God, 
Luke, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 says, When they had gone, I'm talking about the Magi had left um, Herod, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled that the Lord said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I will call my son. Isn't God good? How he warns Joseph. Now, this is, this is a story where there's like the ups and the downs of it, right? Like Joseph gets this dream. Praise God. I mean, God's spoken to him already before and said, don't leave Mary, marry her, right? Like he's already spoken to him before. Now God's come into Joseph's life and said, all right, Joseph, get your family and get out because there's a, there's a um, you know, uh, the, Herod wants to kill your child. And so they go to Egypt. And I, you know, part of me wants to kind of start, like I'm starting to think, so they go to Bethlehem on a census trip, and now they're in Egypt? Like, those first few years, I mean, this is just wild, what they're going through. That being said, you know, not only did God see the danger, and not only did God lead them, even in the midst of their weakness, to a safe place, what's really neat is, is God had foreseen it long, long ago. Nothing surprises our God. And in Hosea 11.1, 1, it says, Out of Egypt I called my son. It's like, and we see that even pro, uh, put in this Matthew scripture. Like he saw it, he was ahead of it. You think that, here's the thing. God is watching over his plans and his purposes. And he will accomplish his plans and his purposes. Amen? That should create a rest and a security in us. God is going to accomplish what he has set forth to accomplish. And I don't have to worry about that. So, and I keep coming back to Joseph and Mary's, you know, perspective. We read this scripture and we see, oh, God, good, he got him out of there and he's protecting him. Think of what Mary and Joseph, do you think they're going, oh yeah, all right. There's, you know, somebody wants to kill our son, all right, I guess we're going to move to Egypt. Like, no, they're like, what? Wait, what? Like, the, imagine what was probably going through their mind. What would be going through my mind? Your mind, like in these circumstances. And that's where we have to place ourselves in life. We have to remember that we are, you know, we are the Joseph and the Mary that had been given a commission and we're here on earth, right? And we're seeing from their perspective and living from their perspective. And, we, and what Scripture does is it gives us a God perspective that we can overlay in the midst of our frailty and our weakness and all the things that we're going through. And the reality is God sees and has gone before you and he has directed you. God sees your frailty. God sees your weakness. God's not intimidated by your weakness. God's not even disappointed in your weakness. Can I say that again? He's not even disappointed in your weakness. It says that Christ's power comes to rest on your weakness. That doesn't sound like he, I think we get weak and we probably go, you must be mad at me. You must be so disappointed in me. He's saying, no, I want to fill that place and I want to be closer to you than ever before in the midst of your weakness. Isn't he a good God? He has anticipated your weakness. And he has, he has made provision for your weakness. That Christ's power 
can rest on you. I love the, the way, what it says here. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That Christ's power may rest on me. And that's one of the things I want to pray today. I want to pray for us that we can learn how to lean back and let his power rest on us. It's a learned thing to not just double down and try harder and push harder, but to lean back and let his power rest on you. But I would tell you what, you feel so loved when he visits you that way. You feel so just like, oh my word, he loves me so much more than I deserve. And he wants you to experience that. Because it says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And the reason that we're strong is because of him. I want to tell you today, if you're listening and today and um, we're in this story of Jesus, we're in this season where we're celebrating and honoring the work of Jesus. John the Baptist in, in uh, John chapter 1, he makes a comment and he just says, hey, when he sees Jesus, he had known Jesus, he saw Jesus, he says, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I want to tell you what that means this morning. The Lamb of God, it was referring to the fact that Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. He was the perfect Lamb of God because they had been in a system where they sacrificed lambs and everything was changing because Jesus was the fulfillment and he was going to put his life up on a cross. I, I remember telling a couple little kids last week at um, Bethlehem Walk, I said, you know, that, that cross you saw, he went up on that cross for everything you've done wrong. And I want to tell you today, that if you've never received Jesus in your heart, if you've never asked him to come into your life, that he is ready. He is so ready and he has made provision. He wants to remove the sin, the shame, the powerlessness from your life and he wants to come and rest on your life, fill your life with the Holy Spirit. If you've never had that moment where you've said, Jesus, I turn my life over to you. Make today, December the 12th, 2021. That's 12, 12, 21. That's a really good day to give your life to Jesus and just invite him. Cry out to him. He is ready to enter in your life and just turn your life over to him. Ask him to forgive all your sins. He is ready to do it. If you're in the in-person service, would you stand with me? I'd like to close by praying. And I want to pray for us that in our moments of weakness, that rather than being hard on ourselves, critical of ourselves, that we would look to Him and let His power rest on us. Where we have this kind of default that when we feel our weakness, we just immediately go, oh God, this is an opportunity for you to be strong in my life right now. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Jesus, for the circumstances that you were born in. We are just so impressed that you didn't take the safe road. You didn't take the easy road. But Jesus, you were born into a young couple and uh, an inexperienced couple. And there was danger around you. Just like they wanted to kill Moses, they wanted to kill you. And Lord, we just, we know that you, Father, look after us as well. And in the midst of danger and peril and weakness and frailty, Lord, that you are watching over your people. And right now, God, we just say, we cry out to you and just say, in our weakness, God, would you be made strong? We invite you, Christ's power, to rest on us 
in the midst of our weakness, Lord. Help us to turn to You and to lean back in You, Lord Jesus, in the midst of our weakness, Lord God. We cry out to You and we just thank You for Your mercy and Your grace and Your love. Then in our weakness, You are not criticizing and You are not putting us down, but God, You are shadowing us, oh God, with Your power and Your grace. And we just thank You, God, for the grace and the power. And God, just right now, we just release all the wrong thinking that comes along with our weakness, uh, that we think we're not enough and we think we're so broken and we think we're so messed up. But instead, God, we just look to you today and we just say, God, in our weakness, would you be made strong? Would you be glorified? That we could glory in your power and in your strength. And God, that we would experience you in deeper ways, in ways that are different than we do in our strength. Oh, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And God, for those who are making a decision today to receive you into their life, God, we bless them and we rejoice with them. Say, Lord, may their life be made new in you. We thank you for the gift of salvation. Oh, that you save us, that you deliver us. You are so good to us. And we bless them today. We bless their journey in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.